0: Jeff, I think you will join me in the sentiment of feeling to say, what the hell was that right now? Yeah. Like, so obviously this is our first post-game show after a loss. We have a lot of emotions, but I think the biggest thing for me right now is after what happened at the end of the first half, you go into the locker room with a one-point lead. It's fine. Yes, they are a good team, but it's after what happened on the last play of the first half, after what they did to your quarterback. I am very like frustrated with how, well, the entire game, how we played in the trenches, but that there was the second half did not come out with just pure anger of you don't do that to our guys like that it's doubled or it's like i guess it's even more so because it's the quarterback but it's like you don't let people do that to your guys and get away with it and then come in and get another sack push them out of bound then force a fumble and recover it and like you know you just you don't let that happen to your team and it was like it didn't phase us like we didn't come out and it wasn't like you know if Louis Lapuahu was on this team, he would have punched that guy in the nuts in the third quarter. He needed <laughs> yes. that. Take a penalty, yeah. right? Like, where was there <laughs> just the whole game? There was no anger or aggression from anybody. Like it was we came out that first play of the game, and you know, everyone was hyped up after, you know, we got a stop. Okay, got Neil power. looked like he ripped off a 90-yard touchdown. And but then after that, it was just kind of like very meh ho-home. Like we looked like a team that expected to win, hadn't played in a month. And you know, had two days of prep and just looked very sluggish against a team that you know for them it was the Super Bowl and they were hyped and excited and they just we got out physicald and out hearted and that's the hard thing for me to swallow is that we got out hearted the entire night, all night long and that so there, there's been a lot of uh, of criticism about the coaches and the game plans and, and I've seen you know, tweets and texts and board posts and all the, you know, the whole nine yards about how this was the worst coached game of the year. And, and I don't know if I entirely agree. I mean, I, I think in the, the the moment of emotion, sure. That feels that way, but I also look, it's an excuse, but I expected this to be a poorly schemed game, right? I expected coaching mistakes, they found out that they were playing Wednesday night. Like we, we should have known that that was going to happen all week long. And I think for the most part, we, we talked about it as if we did know that. But what I'm surprised didn't take place. And the part where maybe I'm the most frustrated, and I don't know if it's the coaches or the players or both, probably both. If I know that my plan, my game plan, isn't going to be as robust and in-depth as it would be on a normal week, then the one thing I know that I can sell really, 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 really hard is the physicality of which you can play with and the heart that you bring to the field, right? And those are intangible things sometimes. Like you can't say, okay, we're going to have 80 physicals in a game. Like that's not how it works. You can't say I need to meet a minimum threshold of X heart. But you could talk about that. You could coach that up. Players should have had that naturally. And it just felt flat and, and maybe it wasn't, maybe it just didn't feel, it didn't match what coastal brought. The, I think the team was fired up, ready to play. I think that what Jeffrey Gunter did, what number 94 did at the end of the half, while I agree with you, Garrett, I, I, I we all expected that that should have like lit a fire under BYU. I think it intimidated them a little bit. I think they got a little bit softer after that. And it wasn't until the last drive of the game that we saw any sort of swagger. And, that and was, that's not coaching. That has to come from players, right? Like it, that 100% it, has to be on well, Zach. Of, that has to be on Zach Wilson on the offense and Isaiah Kafusi and Troy Warner and Kyrus Tonga on the defense. Like that some, some the coaches both, can't right? be there. Be like coaches can't be a hype man, right? Like if you have coaches trying to hype guys up, you have problems. See, and I, I agree with that under normal circumstances, this game with the, the crazy circumstances that brought this game to be where last week we didn't even know it was on the schedule. Right. I kind of think a coach has to put at least one of them. There's 10 coaches, somebody if the players can't do it, somebody on that sideline has to recognize it. It's it's the you know it's the the classic Bobby Cox thing. Bobby Cox is the Braves manager. The Braves have the you know Maddox, Smoltz, Glavin, Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones. They should go out and they should roll over the Phillies every time they play them in the nineties. But sometimes they come out flat, and Bobby Cox just gets super pissed, goes and chews out an ump, throws, kicks dirt, you know, says a whole bunch of things that we're not allowed to say, and gets thrown out of the game. Fires up a team a little bit. Obviously, you don't want Kalani getting thrown out of a game, but we, we've seen him do that. We've seen that emotion from Kalani. Uh, everybody remembers that Utah game uh, in in 2016 when he was just fired up after the bad helmet-to-helmet call uh, against Kainakua. I expected to see something like that. I expected to see a little bit more enthusiasm from everybody. And again, I don't want I I I, I don't want to say that it was BYU didn't have any i think they did i don't think they were even close to where coastal was like this team was fired you could feel it even with the crowd and even on tv like they were selling t-shirts before the game like they wanted this game more than byu did and that's surprising to me now i i do want to i do want to start really before we go any further uh, I know that Coastal Carolina is a Sun Belt team. I had somebody in my mentions earlier that said this is Toledo and USF all over again. No, it's not. Like Coastal's ten and zero. That's a damn good football team. that BYU right. just and lost. And it's to. they by every computer ranking system and every objective system in the country. They are a top fifteen team, right? Like yeah. there's a reason they're a top twenty in the Massey composite. Like this is a really good football team. Don't let their conference fool you into thinking that they're not a good football team This, like i don't know how good they are you know i don't know if they go up against alabama do they win probably not if they go up against byu 10 times do they win the majority i don't think so but i think they win more than one i think they are a very very good football team don't let their conference take away from what they are like that's a really good team byu played in the whack and they like the whack sucked but everybody knew how good BYU was. Right. And Coastal everyone still be respects Boise State when they were in the WAC and in the Mountain West because they're, they were a good team and yes like they had the multiple years, right? But there's a reason that they are in the top 20 and they are undefeated. You don't go you don't get to 9 and 0 or 10 and 0 on accident. Yeah. And we we overestimated them. I think like what you said of I mean, if you look at all of our post all of our pregame predictions, we were all very wrong obviously because we all predicted a win. And kind of even the first couple drives of the game, it looked like it was going to go that way. Like we were asserting our, like we are bigger and stronger and it looked like, okay, we are going to control the line of scrimmage and we're going to run away with this game and wear them down. And the exact opposite happened. Like it's, you know, and people, I can already tell that people are going to be very frustrated with the defense because of the time of possession and that we didn't get off the field, but still push come to shove. It was like, you know give up 22 points that's not ideal but it's not terrible it's not and it's not like the offense turning the ball over twice didn't you know like it's not like the offense turning the ball over helped them at all right like we couldn't like we could not that could not get in a rhythm we didn't run the receivers we were not getting open like it was a complete failure on both sides of the ball and Yeah. And even special teams too. Like, yeah, Oldroyd made his field goal and his extra point, but it was, you know, that was it. Like we had a muffed punt. We didn't do a great job punting the ball. Like it was, you know, it, was just a complete failure on both sides of the ball to assert any type of dominance and it really like even on the defense it's i mean they're running a an option attack and it was like yes you could bring up a safety which they did like we did run a lot of variations like it was even after they got their first first down of the game we rolled into more of a 5-2 look bringing up an extra backer to the line of scrimmage but really, it's just guys just couldn't shed a block. Like we were just straight up getting beat. And that is something that I don't think either of us expected just because, yes, like we watched their offensive line, but it was just they were so quick off the ball that even though they weren't doing a great job blocking, they were doing a good enough, like they weren't driving, they were shielding enough that it was, and everything was so quick and the plays were developing so quick, similar to like what you, when you play Navy, right? Or Army, it's like, you don't you blink and the ball is already got past you two yards upfield. Yeah. And that's what they were doing. And it was, you know, major, major props to them. They got really creative to completely neutralize Kairos Tonga by pulling the center and getting guys crashing down on Tonga and just running away from him. That's all they like. They just completely avoided him, but nobody else even tried to do anything to get around it or like nobody could shed a block at all. And so that, it was we were making and that that was what I was the most disappointed with and again i i, I people aren't going to like that i say this but i do give the scheme a little bit of a pass under the circumstances i really do i can't i can't wrap my head around the the lack of adjustments i we never saw i mean i guess like, i don't know what you adjust though like what what is well, that to but, adjust when they're just the running line, straight up in the middle the linebackers right like BYU brought their outside linebackers up as like stand-up DNs to try to contain the sideline-to-sideline side running. You saw Tuley there. You saw Wilgar there. And they did a and good Pepe job. And Pepe was there a bit too. And Pepe when he would rotate in, yeah. But what they what they didn't do is they never moved Isaiah out of deep coverage. They never moved anybody who was in the middle out of deep coverage. They were playing that soft zone that they always play. And so what they would do when they would pull their center and just leave one gap entirely to tonga and he would uh, there were multiple instances throughout the game that he would burst through this gap and expect contact and there was none there and he'd almost fall straight forwards. when they were doing that to totally neutralize tonga and then running through the gap opposite of him and really walling off that you know or El backry or whoever else was there there was never a linebacker who was stepping up to go and make a play so all of those what could have potentially been two yard runs were five yard runs that's why BYU couldn't get off the field they couldn't get off the field on third down because it was constantly third and two and I I never saw adjustments from the middle of the defense I never saw and that was maybe the biggest frustration for me like at some point dare Grayson McCall who threw the ball well but dare him to throw it deep right put cover zero up there and bring Troy Warner up at the line of scrimmage. Put the middle linebackers up front, bring your Mike linebacker to play run defense and trust that Troy Warner is going to have to make a play, but make Grayson McCall beat you with his arm going deep they never did that and i i was a little bit surprised by and that even even when they tried it was he still beat us with his legs like it was yeah. just it, the defense was just i'm it's weird because it's it felt way worse than 22 points and mm-hmm. it's and obviously the defense that making justice ball on the flip side too is like i mean we had some drives where we were running the ball like six seven yards of pop and it seemed like okay yeah we can control this game but then the receivers did absolutely nothing right like yeah, I, that- I put this game was on the receivers and the defensive line if I had to put it on two position groups that just completely fell apart that's where I would put it and it was I mean there were issues and obviously Zach was more pressured tonight than he was the entire season so far and he definitely got rattled and I don't know if it was, I mean, he obviously took a big hit to the head. If you could see the black paint on his helmet, the entire second half. Right. And, mm-hmm. but it was, he got instead of, I, uh, you know, like, do you remember, were you on your mission for the Oklahoma game? Or were you I, back? I was on my mission. So I don't know if you've ever watched that, but at halftime of that game is very similar is really close. And going into the locker room, the camera was on max hall and max was fired up and yelling, we're going to win this game as they ran into the locker room. But, and I kind of like it seemed almost seemed like Zach didn't rise to the moment. So it's I don't know like how much did that play happening get into his head where he like he wasn't. I expected him to be the one like fired up and angry and on the sideline and getting everyone riled up. And maybe they just didn't show it on TV. But the, I mean, there are times they showed him just standing on the sideline, kind of with a blank look on his face, and he well and kind of looked lost. And, and I don't know if that was just frustration or things or it's you're used to. You know, you're used to everything going your way all year and you kind of, there hasn't been a ton of adversity outside of UTSA in Houston and you get caught off guard and don't know what to expect. Um, but it, you know, it was just kind of frustrating to see that nobody really stepped up and the receiver group completely disappeared. They were, I mean, outside of Dax, like Dax played and Dax was open. Um, you know, and I, I, when you say receivers, I, I lump in pass catchers, right? Like Isaac Rex played, he played fine. He wasn't exceptional, but he was fine. Um, the gunner, man, like I, I I go back to that first half, fourth down call and everybody was mad about it. And I understand, I I understand being upset about not running the ball there, but we saw multiple times in this game where, BYU had third and short and they handed the ball to either Katoa or Algier and they didn't pick it up. So even handing the ball isn't some guaranteed first down, right? So like that notion needs to be put away because it's just not true. What the, I mean, what is, what is, what is the goal of play calling? The goal of play calling is to finish, to put the players in a spot where a play can be made. That ball hit Gunner in the chest. Like if he catches that, we are applauding Jeff Grimes and talking about the genius of that play call and how it caught coastal off guard, right? The play call did exactly what the play call was supposed to do. At some point you got to execute. They did not execute that. Uh, So I go back to that, that play killed BYU. Now Gunner made a great play on the final drive to keep it going. And it ultimately got hurt and had to be helped off the field and hopefully he's okay. But that fourth down play absolutely was a killer. Uh, Chris Jackson, that was, I've never advocated for someone's scholarship being pulled on a single play, <laughs> but I think I might change my stance on that after this one. I want to keep Chris Jackson around. I honestly, my, the, what, the immediate thought that went through my head was, well, you know what, if he was maybe getting the ball more in these first nine blowouts, maybe he realizes what he can and can't do. Cause I know how fast Chris Jackson is. And I know that at the junior college level, he had enough green when he reversed field that probably works. Doesn't work at the FBS level. Yeah. And he hasn't played enough. He hasn't got the ball enough. Every time he gets the ball, it's a jet sweep. So he hasn't got the ball enough to know what he can and can't do. It just sucks that that came then. It was without question the worst play, I think, of the entire year and maybe of Kalani's tenure, given the circumstance and, and you know the, the, the consequence of that play of now there's no bowl game or, or no New Year's Six game uh so huge huge awful mistake not excusing it at all but that was the first thought that went through my head is you know what chris jackson maybe should have been playing more or not have been asked to hey you're a speedster we brought you in because you run and the only thing we ever let you do is is run the ball on jet sweeps because we think you're so fast you can get to the edge every time that's all that's what he's been trained to do so what did we expect the result worst play in the last several years for byu Yeah, I think, I know a lot of people are just in general are going to put this on the coaching, but when things, when it's a one score game, especially when it's not like a shootout, right? Like if it's shootout. And a one score game against a very good team. Right, if it's a shootout and it's like you lose like 49, 45 or something, you can put that on your defense because you gave up seven touchdowns, right? But if it's 22 to 17, that is, you can't put that on the offense. You can't put that on the defense. Like neither side of the ball played crappy and you did it. It's to me, a one score close game like that is that is just that's not coaching that's not the game plan that's really not even adjustments because it's not like you something you were rolling and then got blown out right it's that's just player execution right and that I know we hate you know BYU fans are tired of like when Brock was saying like grit and heart and execution but those things win close ball games and they you know the sideline was just dead tonight like where was the sideline against Houston against Navy the first week of the season Picketing, that was getting hyped after every single play or the team against Boise going nuts on the sideline after every big play. It was just completely flat. And it was and it was something where I felt like we had the leadership on this team from the player side to have turned the corner to where like we could rise up in these close games like that. And really like what we saw against the Houston game in the Houston game where guys started winning one-on-one matchups, but that just didn't happen tonight. And I don't think it's necessarily, like, I don't think it's play call, obviously play calling, defensive play call, like, yeah with hindsight every play like you could go through every individual play even the ones that worked it's like that went for six but hey look what the defense gave you there you could have called this play and it would have gone for 12 right but when you come up one yard short of winning the game to me that's execution and that is I, i agree like and that is on the players and that is the players need to take ownership of it and i don't if it's – I mean, and you know the coaches aren't, like – and you can try to blame the coaches, like, oh, the coaches need to tell – like, yes, coaches are telling guys, like, don't disrespect Coastal. They are a good team. There's a reason they're in the top 18. There's a reason that, you know, ESPN chose to send college game day there. This is a good team. Ignore the fact that they've never been here before. They're 9-0 just like you are. You can say that as much as you want, but it's up to the players to buy into that and believe it. And it really has to come from the player, like, the team captains to, yep. like – like you don't, you don't become a great team unless you have great player leadership. That's the difference between good teams and great teams is player leadership. I wonder how much of a role, because you saw how upset these players were with their ranking. I, I wonder if, and I, I think I wrote about it. I, I'm pulling it up to try and remember exactly how I put it. Um but we you could sense how upset they were with their ranking. You saw some people tweet about it. Uh, I mean, so you, you, you knew what the players felt. Like they were not upset by that, right? I think that maybe they let the moment get to them. We saw all the eyeball emojis. Players heard all of everything about ducking Washington. They saw the rankings from the college football playoff. And I think that kind of just got to them where the Chanticleers on the other hand, they just looked at this as a massive, massive opportunity. They didn't feel upset. They weren't feeling like they had been, uh, you know, disrespected in any way they saw BYU as an opportunity. And I think BYU saw, how do I say this? Coastal saw BYU as an opportunity to prove something as a program be what prove something to themselves as a program byu saw coastal as an opportunity to prove something to the committee and i think at the end of the day wanting to prove something to themselves was where the heart where the, what, that was the difference we've got some fan reactions now i know we've got some voicemails i want to share some of the mentions i'm not i'll leave names out but i want to share just a few of the mentions that are currently on my timeline um because there are some things that I think need to be talked about one here that I'm reading. It says we can't prepare for that offense in two days. We were too arrogant to accept this game. Uh, look, I agree with the first sentence. This is a really hard offense to prepare for in two days. I did not give the spread option attack nearly enough credit. I thought that ultimately size BYU size advantage would help them, um, Would help take away, I guess, or mitigate some of the advantages of that crazy scheme. Uh, But turns out I was wrong. That is a really tough scheme to play for. I could not disagree more with the second sentence of "We were too arrogant to to accept this game." This is 2020, man. Like we've never seen a season like this. Nobody's ever seen a season like this. This isn't. We can't take the barometers of success and, and what we should do of the past and apply it to this year. It's a different kind of year. You have to accept a game like this. I think, I don't know what does that even mean. Like too arrogant to accept a game. Like I, the, the only the flip thing I side can, is the flip side is you're actually ducking them. Like what people were saying. Right. So the, I'm not the only sure thing, what that means. But the only thing I could think of is that it means hey, we thought that we would just walk into a win, and I don't think that BYU did. But I think that they knew they needed another game to potentially show that they were better than what they were being given credit for. Yeah, and it's. They, um, yeah, I think, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but it, I mean, I think the better team just won tonight. I think the team with the better players didn't win, but the better team won tonight because they, yeah, played, I mean, they played like a team Everything, And I mean, we had our chances. We should have. You know, there were drives where we killed ourselves and with either with a dumb penalty or a I mean we were moving the ball well when Chris Jackson had that play that totally killed that drive. Like we had multiple we had multiple things where we killed the drive and we oh, yeah. it, and it, if we, Jackson we left points if, on the board and we could have, you know, we could have gotten because I mean if Jackson goes down, say we get one more first down, we kick a field goal, and then on that last play of the game, instead of changes the game. It, it, Jake Oldroyd is kicking a game winning field goal to get out of there 23-22. Yeah. And it's Chris so, Chris Jackson, if Chris Jackson just goes down, it's 3rd and 6. It's and he tries to do it and it's 3rd and it's 30. 3rd and 6 at midfield and right. we get 4 yards the next play and it's 4th and 2 in plus territory and we're going for it. Right? Like And it's, at minimum, at minimum, you're pinning them deep, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Let's talk about timeouts and the punt before we get to more of our fan reactions. I was, I think in the minority, I liked the punt. I know that a lot of people didn't like the punt. I totally understand the logic of saying, hey, I trust Zach Wilson more than I trust the defense. Go get a fourth and five at midfield. At the end of it, though, the punt worked. BYU had the chance, like they had to scramble more than they would have liked. But at the end of it, they had a play that came up one yard short of the end zone. That was the objective of the punt is just, hey, let's let's get another chance here. If BYU goes for it on fourth and five and they had struggled on fourth and five, like if you go back and we will over the course of the next week, uh, if we go back and we look at the first downs that BYU got, they were much more successful in you know first and second and long right and they were getting 12 yard plays when it came down to third and fourth and short really when they were on pace when they were ahead of the chains they struggled they they got outclassed at the line of scrimmage and the Clears man i mean they looked great those defensive ends are Taryn jackson's an nfl guy i actually uh i haven't talked about that i don't think i've even told you this i got to submit my recommendations for the all Americans as part of the football writers association of America. I've never done that before. So that was kind of cool. Taron Jackson. I did this last week. He was my all American defensive end. Like the guy's really, really good. And, and Jeffrey Gunter, like cheap shot. Yeah. Like he started a bunch of crap. The dude played outside of his mind. Like he was physical. He was in on every play. You got to give him credit for that fourth and five. I don't think BYU picks it up. I really don't. And now you're giving it over to Coastal with five minutes, what, four and a half, five minutes left on the clock at midfield. And they are going to go, and you haven't been able to force the three and out all game. So that, I didn't mind the punt. I, I hated the timeout usage. I think I, that's what I think what people are most concerned about is the timeout of like, what is uh, the flip side of that timeout, you know, when we're getting ready to return, Well, like, I don't know what was going on with that timeout there. Cause that, I mean, ultimately, I guess you maybe could have gotten one more play or two more plays off at the end of the game. So it, I mean, it may have played into it where you could have, you know, either had it that last thing and had the ball at the one yard line with one timeout and, you know, would have had 10 seconds more on the clock, but it really shouldn't, it didn't really matter to me because there were other opportunities like I, I don't like blaming things on a single, you know, event like that because there were plenty of other chances in the game, right? Like just because you yeah, missed the uh, chance yep. at the end doesn't take away from the fact that you missed five other chances to score th- earlier in the game. But I still don't know, like, what they're missing. Players, like, if it's a punt and you're running a punt safe, if you only have ten guys, you have ten guys. It doesn't matter, right? Because you're gonna fair catch the ball anyway. So I don't know what exactly. I didn't like. I, I maybe I'm not smart enough. I didn't understand. Why BYU was running punt safe like they had two return guys every every time I and we haven't seen that from them all year long it was Coastal's punter like some sort of all-american candidate that I, I don't think know he about. just does I, the rugby style so they're kind of more worried about it him going both ways like, see, it that, came felt like his body. that felt like that felt like over coaching yeah like that one felt like overcoaching of just look you've been running with Hobbs and Iberg all year long Right. So leave them back there. And if they run a rugby punt and it trickles down to the 10 yard line. Okay. So be it. Have enough faith in your offense that you'll be fine. Agreed. That one, that was weird to me. And I think it kind of got the the special teams unit out of sorts because it wasn't something they'd done all year. And sure. They probably practiced it some all year long, but to now install it and put it in the game plan in a, uh, a week where you have two days to prepare, that felt strange to me. Right. Um, so, yeah, that it felt strange and did feel a little bit over engineered and I I don't know it's Hobbs and uh Gunther back there just it was a, felt like a strange combination of players back there and it was you know just kind of everything about the whole punt return approach tonight was was strange. I'm not sure what they saw. I'm sure you know I'm sure they saw something. Um but we did post on our uh, we did post on our Twitter account that we do have. Uh, we set up a voicemail account tonight, and so we do. We have how many? Let's see. One. Whoa. We got one, two, three, four, five, six. We have seven voicemails so far. We we are here for the people. Um, I know that a couple oh, of the, them. Oh, the last one from, that came in was from Jake Welch, and he just spent two minutes on the phone. So we might, maybe we'll just get Jake on the show next let, week as our. Let's, our I kind of want to start with that one. If I'm being honest with you, Uh, the transcription hasn't come up yet. And I don't know if, you know, if it's family friendly for this show, but we'll start. It looks like our first one was actually from someone at the game and he has a San Antonio number. So I don't know if he has relocated to the South or if he made the trip from San Antonio out to Myrtle beach, but let's give this one a listen.
1: Just gotta say guys, I was actually at the game. Um, Heartbreaking, tough. I had to go downstairs a little bit sometimes because it was just so emotional and those fans were pricks. Um, but I just don't understand how you don't put a safety in the box against the triple option attack. I just don't get it. They had eight. We only had seven. I just don't understand it. But other than that, I want to say I love how ballsy BYU is in a, in a time where everyone is trying to protect their program and hide their team behind closed doors. BYU has the big metallic balls to take a game on two days, travel across the country, and be the talk of the town for the night. And I love BYU for that. Out.
0: I mean, I agree. I couldn't agree more. I We t- we actually, before we this, we did talk about bringing the safety down and making adjustments to the middle of the defense. And I'm sorry that – coastal it was weird because i kind of got on the coastal message board this week and most of their friends seemed very gracious and the couple coastal fans that i met when i lived in south carolina like were you know normal people so it's really unfortunate that he you know that he got stuck around some fans who were pricks by yeah. his word look i'm gonna <laughs> i can say this okay first some background on me my life i was born in logan utah I'm the, I'm the son of two different dairy farmers. My mom grew up on a dairy farm in Lewiston, Utah. My dad grew up on a dairy farm a mile up the road from my mom. Uh, I have shot pheasants standing out of a sunroof of a car while we're driving through the field. I have shot clay pigeons out of a house. Like I, I know rednecks, right? That is who I am. And I recognize the various types of rednecks that some sometimes the city folk they just say rednecks but really there's like rednecks there's hillbillies there's white trash there's trailer there's, park guy like there's, there's a gains. wide variety yeah like there's a wide variety and when i saw those coastal fans again as a redneck a a true redneck i have we have shot clay pigeons that we have we have a trailer hitch on our automatic clay pigeon thrower that i can sit on the back of a truck and shoot clay pigeons out driving around in the field. We've pretended to pheasant hunt while doing that. And somebody will just be walking down the field and the truck's just driving and you never know when the, so I get what it's like to be a redneck, right? Those were like the trailer park fans. And I love trailer park people. My, my I, I have family who lives in a trailer park today, but that fan base felt like, like, it felt like you were going to watch a game. Like you were going to a cookout, uh, a barbecue or whatever at a trailer park which is great i this is no way derogatory but it did feel like two very different um cultures and not like just mormons like mormons are always a different culture but it felt like two very different cultures were meeting together in conway today and i as soon as i realized like oh i recognize this from these coastal fans i knew there was going to be some clash between coastal fans and byu fans because it's they it's different. They have a little bit of Laramie in them and Laramie's great in Laramie. Laramie fans would probably love Conway. It's just a little different. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the fact that there's some people who butted heads with them doesn't surprise me in the least. Yeah. Um, we have another one and I, it actually looks like Google may have, uh, edited this one for us there is so there there are some there are some asterisks in the uh in the transcript (laughs) so you may want to skip ahead this one um if we might have to use the explicit label for the first time yeah we may have to use the explicit label but uh let's see what this person
2: says
3: that was literally the worst game i have watched in years i hope the coaches watch the film and they replace some of the starters that actually want to play. I have never I don't think it was the coaches fault. They were not out coached. I think the players were definitely outplayed. That was pathetic.
0: So the worst effing game they've seen in years and not the coach's fault. The players just got outplayed and it was pathetic. I I mean, I don't know. I don't think it was the worst game I've seen in years, but that's exactly what we said, right? Like this one's not on the coaches. Like this was an execution problem.
2: Right. And a heart Uh, problem.
0: Yeah. And I think that was a little drawn out so we can see, um, you know, we can see if we can, if I can doctor that up and edit that out a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But the, okay, let's have an dude. These are still rolling in. I don't know how many of these we're going to get. So I love it. We're here all night. Okay, this here's this one looks a little more positive. And this one's that's like a... So, so far, we've got a San Antonio number, a Phoenix number. This one's from New Mexico. BYU fans are great.
3: Mostly, I just wanted to say that I am so proud of the BYU Cougars. Um, that was just a gut-wrenching, heartbreaking loss. Um, but no other team in the country would ever last-minute travel across the nation to put... An undefeated season and a possible New Year Six Bowl on the line, but BYU did, and I'm just so freaking proud. That's all. Go Cougs.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%, and I'm anxious, actually, to see what the committee does with BYU. Like, okay, obviously they're not going to jump into the top 10 like we all hoped. Uh, Wyanon, Wyanon took a shot, right? It it hit me in the pride a little bit. I'm still a believer and we're still going to expose the cabal. But uh, there's no question that BYU is not going to be in the top 10 this week. I don't know that they drop much further than they are, though. Like, especially Oklahoma State lost, Wisconsin lost. Like, the teams who would, like, be natural to jump ahead of them – lost either last week or this week. I don't know that BYU moves all that far. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what the committee does, right? So apparently they say they start with a blank slate every week, and if you have a new tape, then it's new, a new data point to look at, right? But I think, you know, with this game going, I mean, if they were ranked ninth or 10th where they should have been, you know, based on everything else leading into this game, based on how this game was played, they should have dropped to – roughly 13th or 14th and coastal should move ahead of them to like 11th or 12th, right? Like that's how this should play out. But because they were already kind of sandbagging us a little bit, I don't, you know, that obviously won't happen. And I think it's awesome for coastal that it's, you know, hopefully they get the bump to, and they get put where they should be, which should be around 11 or 12, which sets them up prime that if Cincinnati loses to Tulsa one of two times that they have to play them in back-to-back weeks, Coastal could be looking at a New Year six bid, which would be awesome for them. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, let's see here. Oh, this one looks like we do have a Ute fan, but it is respectful. So we can leave that on. It's, it doesn't sound like a troll, but let's give it a listen.
2: Hey, give them hell, Brigham. This is a Ute fan. And I just wanted to let you guys know you have absolutely nothing to hang your heads over. You guys traveled across the country on short notice, took a game that you didn't need, and it came down to two yards. That game could have easily gone absolutely either way. You have nothing to be ashamed of. It's still an awesome season. You beat SDSU next week. You still finish the season 10-1. and Keep your heads up. I know it's tough right now. Believe me, we've gone through it quite a bit the past few years. It's going to be okay, and you guys are still having a fantastic season. Keep your heads up.
0: So we had the one level-headed Ute fan on the entire planet call into the into our show. And I think that's, I mean, do we win some uh, award? Like, that's like, this well, is a major anthropo- anthropologic <laughs> finding here. Um, we're not going to name names because we don't want to out anybody. Like, we've committed to doing that. But that was the Ute fan who designed our logo, so. Oh, okay. I didn't, I I, I didn't recognize the number. So is that, but I, you know, I, I agree. I mean, again, we've said like that. Oh wait, maybe I'm wrong. It did take it back to, uh, it did take it back to our, um, you know, our kind of similar to our first, uh, first phone message that we had coming in of the big metallic balls, right? Like it's, you know, it's people, (laughs) this game, like, don't let this game mire the whole season right we talked a few weeks ago about how like the new year six is kind of overrated like it's awesome to sit like go and have like the magical end to your season but in a couple of years nobody matters like yeah we don't know what kind of bowl we're going to go to it's going to be an espn contracted bowl. espn is going to move things around and we're going to end up like you know when they say like, "Oh, you're going to play San Jose State in the New Mexico Bowl." Like, I don't think that's the case. Like, we're going to end up in a better game than that, um, and hopefully, it's a bigger name opponent and we get a chance to play again. But it's still getting to nine and one or ten and one. Like, how we've only had like three seasons where we finished with one loss. Like, there's a reason. Like, it's still a magical season that belongs, no matter what happened tonight, that belongs in the upper echelon of. When you think of the 83, 84, 85, 96, you know, 2006, 2009, like it belongs in that stratosphere of BYU teams. I agree. And uh, no, not the person who designed our logo, just a very level head of Ute fans. So thank you for calling in. Uh, okay. This one this is, is a, kind of fun. I feel like a real radio show. I know. I wish we, we need to figure out how to actually do like a live call-in, but I don't, I think I like this better because people can actually like, we can get to people. We don't, I don't know how many people would wait in a queue. Um, this one. Okay. This is from Travis Turner, who is a friend of the show.
4: Man, I was really hot, really hot after the game, but you know what? I'm still kind of hot. I thought maybe watching an uh, an episode of Yellowstone would uh, help help me calm down a bit. It did, but I cannot believe that we just rolled over and let them pump us on that teal field. Man, Mr. Gunther just... You know, we just became his... Whatever he wanted to do to us, and he did it multiple times, we just let it happen. And nobody stepped up... And that's what I'm most sad about. And we just let it happen to us. I didn't see a whole lot of fight. I didn't see a whole lot of testicular fortitude. Oh, it's so sad. I know, and I know those guys, and I, I personally know a handful of those players. I personally know a handful of those players. And I know that they hurt, and I know that they gave it everything they had. But it's so disappointing. So disappointing. we you know... Everybody knew that we were paper tigers, except for us. And now, now we know we were paper tigers as well. And now we get to listen to everybody else tell kind us of over and over and over again that we're paper tigers. Oh, uh, what a bad night. The only bomb for my soul would be if Utah lost tonight. And I don't know if that would that would uh, cover the the hurt all the way. It would help certainly. But thanks for your post game recap, guys. Have a nice one.
2: Travis, my man.
0: We we let the fans in, and suddenly we're talking about testicles a lot. But it's interesting to see one fan calling in, and I tend to agree with the first one of the the what did he say? The metallic balls that BYU has to even take this game. That's what I think. But then you get Trav on the other hand saying that we that BYU didn't have the testicular fortitude. I mean, I think both are kind of right, but uh, interesting dichotomy and interesting how many BYU fans are are going straight to genitalia references. That's not something I expected when we opened this up to fans. I know. I think I didn't realize that that one was going to be going to be that long. We might have to speed it up (laughs) a little bit. (laughs) I was uh, looking at two minutes and 24 seconds, though. That's dedication to leaving us, and I really, I could, I could feel the anguish, like actual oh, yeah. anguish in his voice, and I, you know, I was like, like, I could feel like, like he was almost, you know, like eating a tub of ice cream, and there the, were the pauses between words, and that's when he's just like elbow deep in that gallon of ice cream, eating his sorrows away. That's what it felt like, and I get it, man. We've all been there. Uh, totally get it. I gotta tell you though, Garrett, for me personally. What we're doing right now is helping me. I feel better. This is this is one of the funnest podcasts that I've ever been a part of. Yeah. I this has been really fun and kinda of opening. We have another one. Uh looks like it says, oh this is this is Calvin. Um so he said okay. his name. So he said it at the end, but let's give this one a listen.
2: Hey guys. Love the show. Hate tonight's game. I never thought I could miss Bronco Mendenhall. But boy, do I miss him any time BYU's defense goes against an option team. With the exception of Navy earlier this season, Kalani Sataki and Tuiyaki defenses just don't look good against the option. There's one way to beat the option, and that is assignment football. As soon as you begin to be- try to be a playmaker, as soon as you try to begin to make plays, as they say, that's when option teams beat you. But if you stay home and you stay completely locked into an assignment, well, the option is stopped. BYU was unable to stop the option tonight. So many times I saw players trying to get a little bit too antsy, get a little bit too excited when they were in the backfield, and then blow an assignment. Like I said, it's very difficult for me to say I miss Uncle Mendenhall, but on a night like this, I have to say it. Thanks, guys. This is Calvin.
0: I mean, I kind of agree. So, I mean, the option—it's all about staying home. It's assignment sound is everything, right? Like it's—you have to. I mean, you get out of you if you chase somebody you will see, and we saw over and over again, right. It's somewhat, I mean, that's the whole point of the option, right. Is you get a guy on an Island where if he commits to the quarterback, you give it to the running back. If he commits to the running back, the quarterback cuts underneath you and you have to just have, you know, a guy, a body on a body out there for each of them. And like what we, um, you know, who one of the earlier ones said, it's like, you know, we have eight on seven and they, we didn't have numbers and we didn't have guys staying home. And so we either couldn't shed a block or we chased and, It just got – we got eaten alive. Uh, Yeah, I agree. The option was frustrating tonight. My – and I'm checking the schedules now. I am trying to remember because my gut reaction was, you know what, Calvin, you're right. uh, Calvin's – Kalani's defenses have struggled against the option, uh, but I couldn't remember when. And so I'm going back and I'm looking – I think Navy was the first true triple option team that BYU has played since Satake took over. There's been option elements, certainly, from a team like Toledo, uh, West Virginia in 2016. They did some of that RPO stuff. Um, but by and large, they haven't played very many option teams. And so I guess in the spirit of being fair to the coaches, which I think is something that fans you know we all want to react right and that's the way that it works that's what makes being a fan fun i think in the spirit of trying to be as fair as we can to the coaches um i think they're one and one really against the option right like I, i i don't see very many unless there's some that you could think of that i'm misremembering uh the the offensive schemes i just don't remember any other true option teams other than navy and now coastal yeah, I can't. I think guess of NIU, NIU did some option stuff, but the defense held NIU to seven points. So I don't, you know, that one's not on right. the defense. I mean, it's, we do see a lot of just kind of generic spread option, right? Cause that's a, something that a lot of teams run in general now. Pretty much every team in the country has that as part of their, um, has that as part of their offensive playbook. So I think it just, I think it just in general, it's doing that. But it's, yeah, we haven't faced a true kind of, you know, besides Navy, a true option dedicated thing so we have two more voicemails uh our one we will say for last is from jake welch our uh, other you know staff member with us at cougar sports insider that's the one's last um we'll leave that last and then we have another uh, long one um this is from someone with a 702 i think that's las vegas calling in um so we've gone all across the country tonight and let's give this one a listen
3: Alright, so this isn't too much of a rant, uh, but I just wanted to say how incredibly grateful I am for this team and, uh, what an amazing season it's been. Um so, just thinking about all the magical memories that, uh, BYU has given us over the years, well, one of the things I think about a lot is, uh, 2015, the just the magical moment that, uh, you know, Tanner, uh, Mitch, of Matthew Dalgins uh, gave us in those performances against Nebraska and what an awesome time that was for all of us that got to be there for the game. And I I feel bad for uh, Zach Wilson, the team this year, to just come up one yard short of just another magical moment. And I just feel for Zach because it, despite all of his accomplishments as a, as a quarterback or for, for BYU, it's just weird to say that his time here, he will not have been able to see um, a victory over Utah or Utah State as the starter, and uh, really the, the really the big games that you can think of where Zach Wilson came in, in the clutch would have been uh, BYU uh, versus Tennessee and USC, and this season is in uh, Boise State. Uh, other than that, like, that, that's about it in terms of Big games where we really got to see Zach Wilson shine um, in, in the moment. And I, I was, and the fan of me would love to see Zach come back for his senior year. But if, in in terms of just if we were friends, if he knew who I was, I would want to absolute best for him. I hope he goes and gets drafted high in the first round of the NFL and makes an incredible career for himself and gets paid big, along with all the other players that are in the NFL. Um, It's been a magical Magical, magical year. Uh, I'm so proud of these guys. And, yeah, know, the, the season's not quite over yet. We still got at least two more games. Uh, the San Diego State game, the Bull game, and who knows, who, we'll get surprised and get another. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. Tough one. Give it up to Coastal Carolina. They played an incredible game. A, incredible game plan. Ran it down after Edson. They deserve the win. And, uh, it's, it, it's a tough one. Tough one.
0: It was man. That was that's a tough game. It, it, uh, he brings up a good point. Um, I, I hope people don't take this kind of a loss and let that dictate what Zach's legacy at BYU is. Let's assume he's going to the NFL next year. Maybe not. You know, maybe he Maybe back, after Oscar this game. Back. Yeah, maybe after this game, he's like, uh, no, I got sour taste in my mouth. We're not right. He could, and maybe I mean, if he continues to 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 vault up the draft boards like he has been. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe he he doesn't want to go to the Jets, right? Or maybe he doesn't want to go to the Jaguars. So maybe he's back. And people Probably people not. have been asking, like, "Oh, this game killed his draft stock." No, it didn't. No, no, no it, it didn't. he didn't play bad. He didn't play great. He didn't get help from anyone. He was running for his life the entire night. And the NFL could not care less about the results of these games. No, and they don't watch the TV broadcasts where you are limited to the entire thing. They're looking at the all twenty-two film where they're looking and being like, "Oh, actually, he ran around and kept the play alive when nobody was open, and he should have been sacked." Or you know, it's they're looking at everything downfield and seeing what he's processing. They're not just showing him running around and throwing the ball away or throwing it at someone's feet or whatever. Yeah. So no, this game did not do anything at all to, to Zach Wilson's draft stock. So I still think he probably does go. I hope people remember him for um, the way that I will always remember Zach Wilson is he was the guy who got BYU out of 2017. You know what I mean? Like that was a dark, dark time. And if you don't recruit Zach Wilson, if he does not show up, it's dark for a long time. Like, it was bad. Jaron was coming back, but he would have been fresh off a mission, and nobody really knows what exactly he would have looked like. Baylor Romney hadn't come, right? Like, he wasn't even on the roster. Uh, That would have been a dark, dark, dark time. So at bare minimum, if Zach – decides to opt out now that a new year six season is is not possible which is something that could happen i doubt it but it could if he decides to opt out and go to the draft uh that's what i will choose to remember zach wilson for is uh the player who really resurrected uh byu football because without zach wilson man 2017 probably repeats itself in 2018 yeah. I mean, if you think of how we, the optimism coming up the end of that year, if we, you know, had just had Tanner Mangum the entire season and what that year would have been like, or, you know, it's, so it definitely he is pivotal. And I mean, now it's like, even if you think about the recruitment of Zach Wilson, I think it's, I, it's very safe to say that if Zach Wilson does not come to BYU, well, obviously Jackson Dart is not even considering BYU right now. Logan Fano, Raider Mooney uh, you know, John Henry Day, all these guys that we've been talking about as big recruiting wins in the last couple of years, they're not coming to get on board, right? Like, like Cody Epps came to BYU to play with Zach Wilson and be like, I like what they're doing there. And Zach Wilson, I think it's having a good quarterback does every, that is everything for your program. I, I had a conversation tonight with victory Vaca. Who decommitted from Texas A and M this past week? He's hearing from Penn State, Michigan, and a bunch of other programs now. Uh, he told me he's interested in BYU, and it's because they're on the map, and it's because of Zach Wilson that they're on the map. I don't know what BYU like, scholarship limits. You know, like he's not the, the mystery guy or anything like that. But I, I I could probably talk to Victory at any time now. <laughs> like he he was really open and honest and candid about BYU. Um, and typically when a recruit is like that with the school, you know, when I, when I reach out to them or when I talk to them and they're, they're like, they're that open about BYU, that's because it's genuine interest. It isn't just blowing smoke. Um, so go Google victory Vaca. You know, if you don't know who he is, look him up on 24 seven sports and you'll understand like, Hey, Zach Wilson has left his impact on this, uh, on this program. For sure, no matter what happens the rest of the year. yeah, it was he what whether he leaves or comes back or even if he does decides not to play another game this season, he completely pivoted and flipped around the entire direct trajectory of you know of. This I mean, program. He, he saved jobs, like he did so much, right? Like his impact goes well beyond a couple of bowl games or or a loss to Coastal Carolina. Yep. Okay, so we have this is our last one for the night. Um, and then we will sign off. It is from Jake Welch. So we will consider rather than a fan rant or voicemail, this will be, you know, a an interjection from our fellow coworker at Cougar Sports Insider.
3: Gentlemen. Hell of a game we just saw, and I think that it's it's something that I'm sitting well with just because I think that it's it kind of just showed what the team – the type of team that we have. We have a team that's decent, that's good, that probably can't overcome, you know, a short week of prep and a short week of um uh, just getting ready for a team and kind of just going out there and hoping for the best. I know that they, they probably put in a lot of hours of prep and they did everything that they could to get ready for this team, but traveling across the country – Play an option-oriented team. It's it's tough, and a top ten team can probably overcome that. A top ten football program can overcome those types of odds to beat a team like Coastal Carolina. BYU just isn't that, and I, and, I, and it sits well with me because it's just it's just clarity, and I think that's something that we haven't had all season. But man. man, how good could this team be? We just haven't had that type of opponent yet, and we met an opponent that was. Willing to meet us in the trenches and really fight for everything and pushed our guys offensively specifically. I mean, man, those guys look challenged tonight at times. And so I think that it's, we just got a a, a very clear realization of the type of football team that we have. And there's, it's tough because I think, you know, there's, there's areas of improvement and certain things that I would, that that I want to, I want them to focus on. There's only, you know, there's one or two games left, maybe three. And so you hope that there's, you know, things that can improve, but it's just tough that it's just late in the season that you're kind of finding out who your football team really is. So still a great team, still really proud of them. And just, you know, kind of content. I'm Content's not the right word because obviously I'm not content with the result, but fine with the result because it kind of just revealed the true colors of our team.
0: You know, I, I agree. I think it's, you know, we were not, you know, we didn't play like a top 10 team tonight because a top 10 team would have rolled like bama number one bama is up 45 to 14 at lsu at halftime right now that's a top that's a top team right there right like and it's you look at you know we complain about like not being the top team in georgia iowa state all these things um you know and a top team we should have even playing sloppy you know we didn't win our clunker right top 10 teams win their clunkers and we just got outplayed tonight simply and you know they you know, yes, it was the short week, the travel, all of those things. And it was, you know, we still played close. And I think, you know, we are a top 15 team, definitely top 20, probably top 15. And I think now after tonight, I think the number 13 ranking is probably pretty close. I still don't agree with the rest of the rankings of what's between the 13 and the 8 that the AP and the coaches bowl had and those teams that were there. But I think, you know, somewhere in that 12, you know somewhere 11 to 14 range is probably right for this team after the showing tonight. Uh, I'm going to disagree just a little bit that uh, look, I think that BYU just ran into a really good team. Uh, I I really think coastal beats a lot of teams. I think that if coastal plays BYU schedule, I think they're also nine and I think coastal beats a lot of PAC 12 teams. That spread option offense is the kind of like unique offense that, Chip Kelly, when he was running that read option spread attack at Oregon, that it was like, you had never seen that kind of hurry up offense before this wasn't a triple option team. This wasn't Navy. That spread option was a, a very unique wrinkle on two, like it merged the triple option of Navy and it merged the, the spread that everybody plays. And it did it in a way that man if I, if jamie chadwell goes to the sec i think that's the t- kind of offense once he gets his players in there that is really going to change the way football is played I, I think it's that type of an offense and so i i maybe i am giving too much credit to coastal but man i think that's a really good football team i i and so i don't know maybe bway is not a 10 t- a top 10 team uh I think we have a, a kind of a, a misnomer a lot of the times when we think of top 10 teams and people immediately compare them to Bama and Clemson. No, like those are top four teams. Top there, 10 there teams. There is a gap. <laughs> yeah, like those top 10 teams, you're, you're looking at Iowa State. Do I think BYU can hang with Iowa State? 100% yes, I do. Yeah. And this loss to Coastal Carolina in a crazy week after they they had to travel all the way across the country and play a really unique offense – doesn't change that i i think byu would beat iowa state it doesn't change the fact that i think byu would beat most of the pac 12 this year uh there were some there were some things that were exposed like byu certainly is not a top five team they're not a top seven team you know like maybe there is a gap between byu and cincinnati uh but i i I don't think that they're that far off right i really think they're right close to where they are today. Like the the my opinion of BYU did not change. My opinion of BYU as a whole did not change as a product of this game. It it just didn't. I still think this is a very very good football team and I think that if the circumstances were flipped and it was Coastal who had to come to Provo on 2 days notice, BYU wins, right? And if I think all things are equal and they have a regular week of practice, I think BYU wins this game. But I think under the circumstances, Coastal is a very good football team. And under the circumstances, it just was too much to overcome. And at the end of the day, if Dax Milne is able to extend his arms, we might have be having a different conversation altogether. Right. So I still think BYU is a very, very good football team. Okay. I think you still mean, you know, I wouldn't say 11 to 14, I would bump it up to eight to 12, right? Like it's somewhere in the eight to 12 range. Uh, you know, it's like good teams, lose games right like you have you know alabama definitely wasn't a bad team last year they lost two games and missed the and missed the playoff right you have you know clemson win the national championship losing to Pitt in syracuse right guys it's still you know it still happens um and it's you good teams can lose games and it doesn't mean you know we didn't get blown out it wasn't a horrible thing it's yeah we're going to drop a little bit in the rankings probably we'll see how far it is uh, but it's it doesn't mean that the season is over. It sucks that the bowl situation kind of is what it is. And you know what Kirk Herbstreet said this week about, you know, worrying there's too much focus on the NY six and the playoff. And that's true, but it doesn't change or take away from anything else that, that this did, um, that this team has done this year or the future trajectory of this program. Um, So we've had a great post-game show. I love doing the call-in. We will try to, we'll keep that a regular, um, a regular feature of the program um, and our post-game shows and, You know, it's until Wednesday. Jeff, let's give him hell. Give him hell.